let's let's clarify one thing. I am now COVID free. Hey, clean recovery. Well done. Yeah. The thing is, I recorded the last episode on day one of testing positive, even though right. in hindsight, I clearly had it for a couple of days. Well, you sounded pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the first couple of days I was like, nah, these aren't the usual symptoms. People don't say that, you know, having trouble swallowing is a COVID symptom. Right. Oh, that's because all the previous ones of, like, coughing and a high temperature, that was Delta. That was the other variants. Right, 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 right. COVID variant currently going around Omicron is cold symptoms. And so, yeah, lo and behold, I had it. But yes. on the Friday... My goodness, I was... The day after we recorded. ...wiped, absolutely knocked for six, to the extent oh, no. that... Oh, no. Um, ...beyond just, a, like, a really severe flu, I was achy all oh, over and couldn't yeah. even lift up a laptop. Oh, I hate that. I was so achy. It was so bizarre. No, I hate those aches. And I was They're so bad. very glad that I was vaccinated, because, oh, my days, it would have been even worse... I imagine, yeah. ...if I had decided to, you know, go without... Because I'm selfish. If you were hesitant. What about you, James? Any COVID updates? I am boosted. Hey, welcome to the club. One, I am one healthy, boosted human being, and the booster knocked me out. It was awful. <laughs> I hated it. I had those same aches. <laughs> oh, no. I, had, I got the booster first thing on Saturday morning. I booked the morning so that, that like the 12 hours later, it's just in time for going to sleep. So right, you right. meds up and get a decent sleep rather than ruining the next morning, especially badly. Smart. But the side effects were so bad that it ruined the next morning as well anyway. <laughs> but I remember I, I stood up to try and go to bed after sitting at my desk for the last couple of hours of like, I know this is going to get bad because it's been actually getting bad for a change. And I, I, I laughed because it was so bad. It was it was the kind of desperate, oh no, what's going to happen over the rest of the weekend? <laughs> despairing laugh right, the right, whole right. way to bed. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't pleasant, but it's, I think it's because it was, I, I, I've, I've been switched from Pfizer to Moderna. Uh, they've cracked me into the into a different a different uh, vaccine, and suddenly side effects didn't like because I got away with it the previous time. It was barely an eight. Same this time, the whole weekend ruined. <laughs> That's what a shame. The thing is, when I got my booster, it was a different recipe as well. Right, right, yeah. It may have been Moderna too, but uh, sorry, I was supposed to Moderna one. Yeah, yeah. Moderna <laughs> as well. Yeah, well. Also, Moderna in addition. Moderna version 3 and that left me with like uh, a swollen armpit it was very strange oh, for about two days that's an odd one yeah 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 but other than that I was I was fine just apart from like a lumpy armpit no I, I just had a joint ache arm ache ball ache uh, all, the, all the flu symptoms aside from like sore throat blocked nose all that congesty stuff it was just all the body ache and I was Really cold. I had the chills, but I knew I'm not actually cold. It just feels cold. Okay. Uh, it, it wasn't pleasant. And, I, and you know, I'm still glad to have it in the past. Now I don't have to have to think about, am I going to have bad side effects? Because I know I had them. It's over. It's done. <laughs> My arm still hurts, but it's over. Yeah, I wouldn't re- recommend to anybody... Getting COVID, it was it was particularly unpleasant. Still, t- still trying to dodge it. I'm trying to get the full clear. <laughs> the thing is, I said this last time. It was really annoying because I just it was the first time we'd gone out, out, out for drinks. Yeah. Since the pandemic, and of course that is when we got COVID. But exactly, that is what's happening. But James, it does actually lead me on to my next question, which is, and this there is a reason for asking this. Right. How are you? I'm okay. 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 Ask me the same question. 
How are you? I- I'm doing good. You're doing good. However, right? Are am I allowed to be good? Yes. Considering what has I mean, been happening right. over the last yeah. week, right? In the world, uh, y- yes. Because this is the genuinely, I feel like. Uh, I mean, I'm ch- checking Twitter almost right. constantly. Right. BBC news updates. I'm getting mm-hmm. pings of notifications. I turn right. on the radio, and it's yeah. always an interview about Ukraine and Russia. Right. And then I'm thinking, oh, I want to make myself a vodka. Dr. Pepper, but but no vodka's Russian, so I can't have that. <laughs> and then suddenly Russian. you're thinking, all these people are dying. And th- here's the other thing. Right. People have been dying in Yemen and Syria. That's what and- I was going to say. Like, if we can't be okay right now, then come on. Like, we're never allowed to be okay. Right. So at some point, it's just you just have to essentially be like, okay, that's background noise. As traumatic and horrible as it is, life must continue. Mm-hmm. W- w- without just like forgetting about it and pretending it's not going on, which is what tends to happen as what has been happening with Yemen, because the Saudis just well, yeah bombed another airport the other the other day. Well, yeah, and like we've we're still getting stories coming out of Myanmar where there's just like endless right, right. villages getting destroyed and stuff like that. Right, this this happens all over the world. It's usually not one country trying to completely occupy and fair uh, erase another country's. Um, uh, everything, but it, it isn't too much different from it. There is still far too much death to think about and, and come out the other end of thinking about it pretty happy. Um, but it is okay to still be okay, okay. in those times. It's like it's alright to have those c- compartments in your brain where it's like, this is where all the sadness of the world goes yeah. and then sometimes I just need to tune that out and watch some crappy TV show and be okay for a while. Right, yeah. That's all right. Okay, fair enough. That, that's made me feel a bit better because, yeah, like yesterday was great. I had a media training session in Perthshire. First time I've been out to do a training session outside of the Central Belt in two years. And it went so well. And it was a sunny day. Right. And it's spring. Excellent. I was with my friend. Excellent. It was great. And then I thought, oh, no, 22 children died in Ukraine today. Yeah. Should I feel happy? I don't know. Well, yeah. And then, but, but, but those. And then I was thinking, oh, I need to post uh, some social media updates for Pink Elephant oh, about mm-hmm. how to do presentations. And then I was like, oh. in the middle of writing this tweet and thinking, in what is really going on in the world right now, and particularly the all-consuming updates on social media, yeah. is this really the time to be saying, hey? If you want to present to an audience, you've got to start with what's their priority and what what they have in mind. Yeah, considering how much of what's going on is being presented to audiences from people who are in Ugh. very high risk situations, it is that that does feel a little bit more like there's got an overlap. But it's def- difficult, you know. The, the, like we all have to live our lives. Okay. And I think all the the negative feelings and emotions we have is important not to just try and ignore them and to shut them down and to not have them. It's important to try and convert them into something good. Right. So convert them into pressuring your own politicians to taking action and convert them into making sure that everyone is also doing that, you know, like raising everyone's awareness of it so that they feel I, yeah. we also need to be loud about this so that our nation does what it needs to do. And it's what we should be doing for places like Yemen. It's what we should be doing for any conflict in the world is, is applying pressure on our own leaders to intervene in an effective way it's just this time they actually are trying to do that because ukraine's a bit closer to home it's a bit more attached to the or and russia especially is a bit more attached to the uh, upper echelons of our country yeah, and therefore yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's more of an interest so even our lazy politicians are involved okay but before we 
do this deep dive into what's been happening for the last week because we will. <laughs> that was the intro. <laughs> I, I would like to share one good thing that happened this week, James. Okay. I got a new car. Hey! So after weeks, nay, months of complaining about my Clio, yes. it's gone. It's gone. So, uh, Mr. Arnold Clark, we're offering a deal that if you mm-hmm. traded in your car, they would give you an extra 750 quid. It's not bad. I thought, okay, where's the catch? And what I did instead was I, I compared the valuation that they gave me to all the other websites, and it was pretty much the same. Okay. And so they gave me an extra 750 quid and said, hey, here's four grand for your Clio. All right. And would you like us to just take off that cost? From a car. Or that valuation of a different car. That's, that's which the is catch. done way less miles and is newer. Yeah. And it's a different color and a different make. But yeah, but they, they, that's the trick. They get you to, that's their in. They've given you the money, and they're like, would you like to, like... Right, buy from us now because we get we did a favor for you. But here's here's the thing, is that I'm still expecting a call. So I I went in, traded the car in, right? I got the new car. It's uh-huh. beautiful. It's okay. called Mister Schneebly. I was going to ask, did you give it a name? Of course you did. Yes, because in the registration there are the letters Neeb. So I thought Mister Schneebly. Oh, you had to Schneebly. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's lovely and smooth. It's uh, faster, more powerful. All the all the best things you would want for a big toy. Is it cleaner to the environment? Uh, no, because <laughs> the Clio's engine was so small, the road tax was 20 quid a year. You better plant some trees then. Uh, I am doing all sorts of planning. Don't you worry. Anyway, all right. so I got this car, and uh, when I traded it in, they obviously had to do like a valuation to make sure that what I'd put on the website... Yeah, I.e., yeah, telling the truth. It's got a wee, it's got a wee bash there. It's got some, uh, you know, temperature fuel issues here. Some stains on the passenger seat. Right, was was accurate. And so I put it in, and the guy kind of has a cursory look at it, and he's like, oh yeah. And then he just walks off, and it's like, okay, right. He's he's off to do some sums, and then he comes back and says, okay, so Colin, I need uh, the two car keys you've got. The V five, which is the document that says you own it, right? And I need your service logbook. And I said, "Oh, what does a service logbook?" And he said, "Look, Mine? what? <laughs> see on your application where you ticked that box that said you had all three things. Here it is. Where is it?" And then I said, "Well, look, I've got a, a scrumpled bit of paper that says I have an MOT certificate. I've got something that says I bought this car off you four years ago." He's like, "That is neither the service logbook Incredible. nor anything useful." Why and then did he you said, "Take the box." Let because I thought I I thought it meant has your car passed an MOT and has it been in for a service? And I was so like, "Yes, it has." If it meant that, it would say that. Well, I didn't. I know that now. So anyway, he uttered the immortal words, "Let me go and speak to my manager." Ooh. And I thought, oh no, he's going to come back and say, Colin, I'm really sorry, you, we're going to pay you 500 quid for the car right? Yeah. for being an illegal. But uh, no, instead, he came back and said, Colin, now is the time I take some money off you. Oh. And what I thought he meant was, as in I'm going to take money off the valuation of the car, but instead he gave me the car for the price in which I'd expected slash agreed it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is why I am now ex- I am expecting a call any day now to be like, Mr. Stone, we've made a terrible mistake. Your car is not what you said it was. Where's this logbook, you lying heathen? But I am yet to get that call, so... All is well. I am. I am pleased for you. I, but you know that might that feeling might just follow you uh, uh, until the death of Ar- Arnold Clark <laughs> <laughs> as a business. 
to be fair, I am still expecting uh, somebody, some law enforcement from the BBC to turn up and like knock down my door for that one time we we watched RuPaul's Drag Race on iPlayer when I didn't have a license. <gasps> I know. I can't believe it. I'm sorry. I got my uh, I got my letter through the door today. You know the one that's like, hey. Do you, do you still not have a license? Are you sure? We might come check on you. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> it's that time of year. I mean, do they even still do that? Surely with the... They come round. They come round. With like VPNs and internet it's just on so stuff. Annoying. Surely they wouldn't be able to prove that you, you watched BBC anyway. Well, I don't know. It depends how stupid you are. Because if you logged in with your email account, <laughs> they might track it. Yeah. Yeah, but then I would just be like, oh, someone someone hacked my account. It's not me. Was <laughs> clearly someone hacked my account. It's uh, look at look at the look at the VPN. It's, it's Central Central America. That's not my email address, even though it's got my name in it. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, anyway. Enough of this frivolity. Let's uh let's oh, talk. Yeah, no, it's not okay to be okay. It's not okay to have fun. We've gotta be sad all the time. This is Seesaw Parade where we're sad all the time. Episode two. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Episode 279, I'm Colin and he is James. Yeah, yep, indeed, sure. Still here. And thank you very much uh, for your patience after a COVID-induced and then catch up on all the work that I missed uh, yeah, induced yeah, yeah, yeah. absence, mm-hmm. which was most annoying. But hey-ho, we're back. No, it happens. It does. We, we, I think we needed to, to, to let it sit for a while anyway because, you know, I mean, everything went really bad it, <laughs> really fast. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. And the thing is... It's also the fact that at the best of times, these episodes age quickly. Indeed. You know, after a couple of days, usually what we've discussed yep. has changed or has moved on, unless it's the final part of said story. Exactly. And if we had done that, let's say we recorded last week, by the time we had recorded, then most of what we said would have been out of date. And I'm sure In, yep. within a few days, like someone will be listening to this and saying, hey, hey why don't they talk about the fact that you know Russia nuked new, new, uh, Ukraine off the earth? Oh, Let's not, please. Let's. <laughs> right, but but you see my point. Like, the, well, there, know, be... if we recorded two days ago, we would have been we would have been wondering why we didn't mention like that Russia had fired missiles at the Freedom Square or whatever. Right? Uh, precisely. Yeah. yeah. The, so the, 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 the news is more rapidly moving than ever. Exactly. Literally hourly at this point. So, dear listener, if we have missed out, you know some. Bigger Russia-Ukraine story than this is why it's because things are changing. Time is eight minutes past six. (laughs) It's eight minutes past six on Wednesday evening, the year of our Lord, twenty twenty-two, second of of March. Indeed, my sister's birthday. Forgive us. So uh, that that is why, but we do have a lot to get through. Uh, thank you very much again for listening. You can get in touch at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or, as a couple of you have done, you've emailed seesawparade wow. at gmail.com with <laughs> movie reviews, which, I'll be honest, wow. we will we will have time, but we'll try. it might be slightly incongruous with uh, with the, <laughs> the rest of the very heavy nature of, this, of the, the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll try, we'll try. We'll see what happens. But no, thank you very much uh, to everybody who gets in touch. Really do appreciate it. James, let's uh, begin, shall we? Uh, We shall. And see where we go with it. Okay. Okay, James, this is the news that Russia, a week ago, invaded Ukraine after months of build-up, months of denials, months of, no, 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 we're, we're just there on the border just, because passing by they don't have anything to do 
you know, they're just watching the wildlife. On the 22nd of February, 2022, as in 2-2-2-2-2. Very good numbers there. Vladimir Putin told his army to invade. And so they did from the north, from the east, and from the south uh, into Ukrainian territory. And what initially happened, we'll come back to the the actual decision and the fact that Putin and numbers is a funny one anyway. What initially happened was they were met with much stiffer resistance than they expected. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we'll talk about the President Volodymyr Zelensky. He was then posting updates on social media of him out in the streets yeah. with the people. He's saying, look, yeah. we're, we're still here. We're here. We're going to fight. Uh, we're, we're standing up for the freedom of our country. And that then turned into stories online of here's a whole line of Russian tanks which have run out of fuel. Here's some Russian soldiers who are essentially kids from Siberia who were told they're on a training mission and didn't realize they're in Ukraine. Yeah. Here's another, here's a woman walking up to some soldiers and giving them sunflower seeds so that when they die, uh, sunflowers grow out of their, their bodies in the ground. So yep, yep, a whole host yep. of stuff going on in terms of uh, social media coverage. And we will get to that as well, because that's a big part of what the last week's been all about. The international response, uh, James, first of all, came from Germany. Right. Who, after, again, months, if not years, of uh, talking about Nord Stream 2, which is a giant pipeline, which was bringing uh, oil and gas from Russia to the continent. Uh, The two countries have enjoyed uh, or endured a very long a diplomatic and international relationship, mm-hmm. they called it off. They called off this giant multi-billion pound pipeline years in the planning yeah. because of what uh, Russia had yeah. done. Then we had sanctions from the UK, from Germany, France, Spain, Italy, the US, a whole host of other countries who decided... Like technically even like Switzerland. Oh, absolutely. Essentially everybody in their... Sweden, Finland, who had also in recent Not days... Serbia, though. ...been, uh, been threatened with invasion. Indeed. Similarly Indeed. Uh, enacted some sanctions on Russian banks. They were then, Russia and Russian banks, banned from using SWIFT which is apparently the, the main system that everybody uses yeah. Yeah. to transfer money across the world. This then led to uh, pictures of massive queues in Russian cities as people attempted to get their money out. And what that's then turned into in the last few days after, as I've said there, a lot of Ukrainian resistance, sanctions against uh, Russia, sporting sanctions, which we'll get to later on, yeah. Putin right. upped the ante. Indeed. And the current news is that, as you alluded to earlier, James, missiles have uh, struck some of the biggest uh, cities and landmarks in Ukraine, including Freedom Square in Kharkiv. And what you've also seen now is what would, would appear to be on paper, James, actual war crimes. Yeah. From the Russian military... Uh, against Ukrainian civilians. Well, yeah, there, there, there have been those, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the latest today is that uh, the amount of dead Ukrainian children is now in at, at least uh, double figures. Yes. Which is absolutely horrendous. So, James, let's start, first of all, by talking about Putin and the fact that this, after months and months of build-up, was was eventually launched on the twenty second of the second of twenty twenty two. Yeah, and where uh, and what his thinking is behind all this? Because clearly on state TV, Russian people are being told one thing, which is 
Ukraine's a bunch of Nazis and we are out to rescue the Russian speakers yeah. who live in Ukraine. Yeah. And that's not the reality, obviously. Yeah. But, but that's what that's what war is, is right? If, both sides are going to paint the very best picture they can for their own populace. There's no way you'd expect Russia to be completely truthful about yeah. what the, what's going on to its own population. But I also don't expect that we're getting the full truth of every single situation uh, on the other side of the conflict, even if it is the just side of the conflict well, and the right side of the conflict. Ju- just to give you that little bit of light and shade, the last few days there have been videos of black and African uh, people who live in Ukraine who are being, in these videos, stopped from boarding trains before the more, let's say, white Ukrainian people. Yeah. And that right. that is, is something which, yeah, in the last week or so, it has every single positive story going has been about the Ukrainian people. But there's still a lot of issues in the country itself. So as you say, there does have to be a little bit of light and shade. Yeah, but it, none of the shade on on the Ukrainian side is going to ever, like, amount to, well, I guess it's okay for them to get invaded then, right? That's right, the, right, exactly. The big thing is that... When you're on the, the the defensive or the justified side of a conflict, all of the things about your country that might be uh, corrupt or might not be fully equal or, or anything else like that, they kind of pale in comparison uh, to the harm that is being done to you. So one of the examples that Russia is very much relying on is that Ukraine has like a battalion that is basically just neo-Nazis. Yeah, like yeah. officially fighting for them, and they have been for well, they've been in in, in an official position for years. I'm like that's terrible. <laughs> I I don't want neo Nazis in any position of power. But hey, that's not a reason for Russia to decide. Hey, now we go and invade and destabilize an entire country and try to make them a little puppet of ours. Um, I'm pretty sure that if the UK started getting invaded, I wouldn't have mind if Nigel Farage picked up a gun and fought at the borders. <laughs> um, so. Like it is important to recognize, hey, yeah, there is corruption in Ukraine. If they try to join the EU, it's going to be a very long process of them trying to meet the expectations and adopt the laws and all those things. And it's not just all sunny. And I do think that when you look online uh, at reports and at people's opinions, is a little bit they treat it like a TV show. I guess I see a lot of tweets out there that are just all very detached from the gravity of a situation because right, right. people spin things in such a positive and energetic way that it's like, you do realize that people are still like dying a lot. A lot of civilians are dying and most of the Russians that are dying probably have no idea why they're there. They've been completely manipulated. It's like sad for everyone and the evil is from a very small number of people who deserve an incredible amount of judgment. So it's like, I don't understand how people are perceiving this. But when it comes to, to to Putin and why he did things, he just thought he'd get away with it again because he's done stuff like this every couple of years for quite a while, taking a chunk of land. Yeah, yeah. But this time it was obviously different, which is why we, I don't understand why he did it. Even though he likes numbers and he likes the Olympics and he likes to invade on good numbers around the Olympics, yep. he surely should have seen that this time people were prepared People knew what was going on and countries were talking about it before it happened. Whereas when when he took Crimea, it was like less of a headline story for months in advance and stuff like that. So he is really stupid. (laughs) 
I don't get it. Just to add some of that, one of the main issues at the moment is understanding how many casualties and deaths there have been on both sides. Because as you say, both, yeah. both sides attempting to paint a rosier picture than perhaps is true. What currently is clear is that the Ukrainian city of Mariupol is near to a humanitarian catastrophe yeah. after more than 15 hours of continuous bombardment by Russian forces. Uh, there has been talk of at least a couple of thousand civilian deaths in the last week. Wow. A huge proportion of those coming in Mariupol because this city would allow the Russians to essentially get more of their troops in the country from Crimea, the, the southern peninsula. Yeah. So... That that is one thing that after I, I agree there is some sort of element of like a TV show to this you know even the fact it's like hashtag day seven thinking yeah. I mean how are we literally going to do this for something that could legitimately last years <laughs> yeah. I, I doubt it but but at this rate yeah well, yeah it, it won't be fashionable for long that fashionable aspect of it will wear off and I hope that everybody who's been treating it like a little performance will realize that they should be regretting that and they stop doing it and maybe apologize for treating it like a show okay let, let's talk about Volodymyr Zelensky he's the president of Ukraine we have mentioned him briefly in the past he was indeed the president who uh, president Donald Trump attempted to withdraw funding from yeah Unless he found some dirt on uh, Joe Biden's son Hunter. So yeah, yeah. that's the the one and the same. He got a standing ovation from the United Nations uh, yesterday after a speech he gave urging them, perhaps it was the EU actually, sorry, the EU, after he urged them to go further and to do more to help Ukraine. Yeah. And he's been seen by basically everybody as someone who is willing to actually get out there and because of the videos he's posted on social media, it is clear he's on the streets of Kiev. He's actually yeah, there. he's not in the States. Attempting to do, you know, doing what he can uh, to maintain control. Yeah. Now, there has been talk that uh, there have been hit squads sent into the city of Kiev to assassinate him. And the general feeling, James, would be that if... Zelensky is killed and he was reportedly offered a lift out of there by the Americans and he told them I don't need a lift I need ammunition yeah (laughs) which I mean that sounds like a a movie quote he was a former uh, comedian and actor but he's someone who is in terms of a profile reputation he's now being seen as like the kind of leader that every country would wish to have in this sort of situation yeah maybe maybe in this situation in this situation yeah certainly Um, right i mean there has been somewhat of a deification of the guy as he does all this because he is true acting like a hero in a lot of ways and he is acting like a leader in ways that we don't see from other politicians in these situations where they're more likely to flee to safety or to try to disengage and uh, keep a really safe distance, as we're seeing from, let's say, Putin, who's just sitting at his very, very oversized desk all day. Um, Yeah, yeah. So in a crisis, he is being a figurehead of, like, bravery and courage, which is what you obviously need when you are the uh, less powerful uh, party in a conflict. Um, And I'm fully... I'm fully certain that he expected to be dead already. I'm pretty sure yeah, that yeah, yeah. he is surprised at this point to still be alive. And I'm not I'm I'm sure he's also happy to still be alive. But uh I I think there's a there's a little bit of a worry that like what if he dies, like will everyone just give up? But like he he's he's made enough of a 
uh, impression on everyone that I expect if he does eventually um, get killed in, in, by some um, Russian maneuver, right? He, he, he's he's going to be more of a martyr than a reason to quit. Um, I think Russia wanted to dispatch of him and other figureheads very early on before they could become the figureheads that they are. And instead, uh, they failed to do that. And now they've got a situation in their hands where the world is recognizing the current leaders of uh, Ukraine in the crisis as the leaders in a crisis. And it just it makes everyone forget all the things about them as leaders beforehand, where like Russia are trying to point out, hey, well, look, they, they were corrupt. And it's like, well... Right, but you're invading them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Okay, there are so many different areas of of the invasion and the the ongoing. There's too much uh, conflict to discuss, but I do want to t- take things in a UK direction because one key thing which did happen in the early hours of the in the early days of the invasion was the likes of Poland, Romania. Ireland, who decided to waive all entry requirements yeah. for Ukrainians fleeing the crisis. And what did the UK do? Nothing. Of course, yeah. They just changed the colours of their <laughs> landmarks. Did you know, guys, that you can apply for, like, for like fruit-picking jobs in the UK? Hey. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a minister, I'm unsure who it was, who did tweet that Don't remember. after someone said, hey, why haven't the UK relaxed these way, uh, these visa rules in the same way? And he said, well... You know, they could do it the normal the normal way and apply to be a seasonal a seasonal worker, I believe Disgusting. was the, the phrase. Our our initial response uh. was was to to be shamed, and I'm glad it was shamed because we have oh, yeah. changed. And again, uh, this does come into what I talked about earlier. I believe that British people have been moved far more by what's happening here, despite similar atrocities in the likes of Yemen and Syria, because they see people who are Oh, they look like us. They're also in Europe. How terrible. Therefore, I must do something. Yeah, it's closer to home. Yeah, but it also is getting more of the headlines. I reckon if those other conflicts got quite as much attention, we might see more sympathy as well. We might see more calls for opening up our refugee um, programs and having no upper limits on the number of people allowed in because the fact that we have a limit at all is also embarrassing. Yeah, we shouldn't have a cap on how many people we want to rescue from from a doomed environment. So what initially happened was various British landmarks changed their outdoor exterior lighting yeah. to blue and yellow. Wow, yeah, making it look like IKEA adverts. <laughs> it's going to save the day. <laughs> yeah, it's like clapping for the NHS. Meaningless gesture. Yeah. Boris Boris did also pretend to be on the front line for a bit. Yeah. That was great. And uh, yeah, so that's what initially happened, and then they said, okay. Uh, we will, we will, we will do something to let Ukrainians, uh, some Ukrainians, yeah. enter the UK. And it turned out that even if you were, if your, let's say, uh, parents were coming from Ukraine, sisters, brothers, uh, grandparents, any of that, even if these people, those relatives, were fleeing Ukraine and coming to Britain where you were, they still couldn't get in wow. under the UK visa regulations. But as of about uh, 24 hours ago, they relaxed those as well. So if you are, yes, a mum or a dad, brother, sister, grandparent, close relative, as you would have, any other dictionary would have explained it, you can now apply to get a visa. Yeah. So close relatives, open access to visas, but we are actually taking in just straight up refugees as well. Right, right, right. And, but it's the fact, James, though, that that took 
a week. So long, yeah. Whereas other countries just, were just like, absolutely. And in fact, there were pictures on the Polish border of just random people waiting with, you know, their cars, with bags of stuff. People saying, hey, look, I've got a free house, come and stay with me. All these things where yeah, yeah. these countries, even as somewhere like Ireland, actively doing what they could to make, well, to get people out of a war zone. Yeah. And, like, and the UK just went... No. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it, it was inevitable, though, because what else do you expect from the current Tory government except really slow responses that require a change of mind? It's just their standard practice. They try to do the most lazy thing first, and then if enough people complain, they change their mind to try and placate things. It's, 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 it is surprising that they did it again when it comes to such a huge crisis, because you'd think yep. a massive crisis, uh, they'll skip the being lazy step but it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be a crisis big enough to make them skip the lazy step, um, and even still, their 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 rhetoric around it all is 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 pretty abysmal. Pretty Patel is 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 being quite a disgusting human being um, in a lot of what she's still saying. Yeah. Also, uh, funny fun fact: I worked with someone yesterday who uh, worked with Pretty Patel about oh. uh, fifteen twenty years ago when she was a uh, head of comms for some agency in London. Right. And uh, their name for her was Pretty Vacant. Well, understandable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's why she's a perfect fit for the Tories. Indeed. Well, talking of government ministers, Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, who was a, the same person, shared another story when she was a junior business executive, uh, was invited to a tour of uh, Nestle, and she decided to bring her kids with her. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> really important. <laughs> See, you always like, what is, is this, a, is this for real? Is this, am, I being, am I being punked here? Anyway, Liz Truss. <laughs> no, that's actually not surprising at all. This was the news that Vladimir Putin allegedly put Russia's nuclear forces on high alert because of something Liz Truss said. Right. Which, okay, uh, here's the context. The spokesman for the Kremlin, Dmitry Peskov, said that unacceptable remarks yes. were made about possible clashes between NATO and Moscow over uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh-huh. It was unclear precisely which comments by mistrust that Russia objected to, yep. um, but on, on Sunday she did say that if Russia was not stopped, other states may be threatened and it could end in a conflict with NATO. I mean, yeah, but then... We've we've seen Russians' invasion plans, and it also included a very suspicious line pointing to Moldova. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think people she I think she has generally been not very effective in the things she's been saying regarding Russia. But ineffective is very different from uh, inflammatory. Where I don't I I haven't seen any comment that really warranted this, and I don't think any. Any people who know more than me are saying, actually, yes, this is where she went wrong. She's just mostly being pretty useless. There was also the uh, the comments in which she essentially said that people in Britain who uh, wanted to go to Ukraine to join the international forces to fight, she said, uh, she was like, oh, absolutely, yeah, it's up to individuals. And then about two hours later, uh, Defence Secretary Ben Wallace had to oh, backtrack no. and say... Uh, no, you may be at risk no. of prosecution when you come back. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, so it's the standard, like, Tories don't know what they're talking about, but they say something anyway. However, like, none of that has been enough to, to like, threaten the nukes, I would say. 
uh, so overreaction from Russia, but like, come on, it's Russia. They're they're just like lying through their teeth at every sec, at every step right now. Talking off of the the nuclear threat and tying this into the UK, of course, that was the news on Sunday that Russia is. Uh, uh, yes, President Putin had put the nuclear forces on special alert. And that then led to a lot right. of panicked tweets. Uh, and the one thing I saw, which was a TikTok of uh, a map of Edinburgh, and it was a completely unsourced, unverified. Oh, no. Here's a diagram of what of what the blast radius would be if Putin decided to nuke Edinburgh. Right, yeah. And I thought, okay, of all the places that Putin would nuke... <laughs> Not really sure. Leith Walk is uh, <laughs> well, is yeah, high on the list. But there is a there's a there's a website for that anyway. Like right? they probably just used the the nuke map website that actually went down right. because so, everybody wanted to see what happens if Russia uses uses different nukes in different places. So first of all, there is that, and I'm sure that every country in the world yeah. and people in every country in the world, certainly in in Europe, have been doing similar things and posting similar similar things. But it's a very British slash Western way of looking at it of, oh no, what if they yeah, bombed like, Dundee? What if they what come will, for me? Will I be safe if I live in Fife? Yeah. And it's a, like, I get that. And it's, you know, it's scary to, to hear that nuclear weapons are back on the agenda. So, James, let me ask oh, no. looking into a very, very dark <laughs> crystal ball, is this rhetoric? Or is there something more well, to it? I, I think they want us all to believe there's a nuclear threat. That was like the position they had. It's really weird to me that they had the strong position of yeah. threatening a border while also pointing out if war happens, nukes are pretty scary, everyone. And then they threw all that away in a very, very botched invasion where they have to now ramp up the nuclear threat to try and keep everybody at bay a little bit. But, like, as far as I am concerned, I don't think even Putin is stupid enough to start nuking, right? There's nobody backing him up. Even China are, like, talking about de-escalation and peace talks and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, Maybe he's stupid and proud enough to put his own ego above every human life on Earth. I, I, I really want to believe that nobody is actually capable of that, even him. Um... So like it's scary and it's re- and it's a scary rhetoric and it's one that some generations have had to live under twice now, but for me, I've been surprised as to how like how much I don't I don't care. Maybe that's a worrying sign for just my outlook on life and stuff in general. But I'm not like scared. No, which is odd. Because uh, this is technically living under nuclear threat now. This is back to like. Yeah, being scared of nukes, but I, I was, I, I guess we've just heard about it for so long that we were pre-desensitized. Yeah, I agree. I always thought that this is the the stance that Putin was on anyway. But yeah. it, it was very much, as you say, this alarmist headline, which you know, legitimately, Putin is a crazy man, yeah. and that is something that whether it's rhetoric, and I do believe it is rhetoric rather than legitimate, because my question is, if he decided to nuke Ukraine. The fallout of that, both uh, chemically but also internationally, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Would would that then mean that other countries would start getting involved? But I don't even think Putin's that stupid to do that. That's the point. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think there's any reasonable speaking experts in the situation that are suggesting that this is going to happen for now. And I'm, for now, I'm willing to just assume that they're right and not think about it too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And until people start like going like, well, actually, it's looking like they're getting their missiles ready and... 
And then maybe then I'll start considering, like, what on earth happens? Like, does everyone else start firing nukes and stuff like that? But at that point, like, I'm doomed. <laughs> What's the point in thinking about it? Exactly. Uh, just put on some good tunes and watch the world burn. But, like, it's it's sad and it's horrible to think about that it's a potential. But until experts, rather than newspapers, start talking about these things. Or TikTok. Or TikTok even, yeah. I'm not going to worry too much because if you if you want to worry a lot all the time and you just read the newspaper and you listen to it like it's like it's the opinion of experts or you watch TikTok and it's, you know, treat it like it's the opinion of experts. I'm not interested in that life. I don't want that life. I don't want to be controlled by reaction. I want to be controlled by like people who are in the know and I want to have my emotions grounded in that. So currently, not in a panic. Nukes are obviously scary. It dooms the world if anyone starts firing them. So I just, I don't think anyone's daft enough. And hey, if they all fire, you can look back on me saying this and say like, oh, well, you shouldn't have said that. You you cursed us all. And let's Before we talk about uh, the sporting aspects, I do want to get into that. Let's talk about social media. Okay. TikTok has been a haven of false information and old videos and mm-hmm. old stats, yeah. pictures, everything. And because it's a, a platform which is largely a, a demographic of under 30s, some of these videos are, are getting an enormous amount of traction. So, for example, videos of alleged paratroopers filming their way jumping into Ukraine. Yeah. Which yeah. was an old video from five years ago, but it's finally got 20 million views. Then there's Here's here's a video of the ghost of Ukraine. It's a pilot shooting down six Russian aircraft in the space of a minute. It was a video game. Yeah. And for some reason, people were just like, yeah, that's legit. That looks legit. That's it. And then yep. even people who you'd think would know better tweet pictures of, uh, you may have seen this, a boy and a girl with their back to the camera saluting uh, tanks. And and people, uh, soldiers in, in Ukrainian, uh, you can tell it's a Ukrainian kids saluting these uh, soldiers. Right. And people have have been posting this with, these pictures will stay with us for a lifetime. Right. And it, and it turned out it's a picture from 2014. Right. I mean, it's like, it's a little more, there's a little more overlap there, but yeah. Right. So, uh, and that, as you've said, James, is the challenge with a war which is taking place essentially in real time. You know, in, in previous wars... It was very much you got your headlines the next day or you got your your updates on the hour. Well, uh, well, there's been wars every year since but, uh, forever, and they keep getting the information keeps getting out there faster and faster. But so does the disinformation. Right. You see my point though. The fact that yeah, rather than it just being and let's take it back to nineteen the nineteen forties. Yeah. The BBC reporting the news, uh, you know, a few times no, a day. Turn the radios on. Yeah. That's it. Versus. Every single social media platform who are an online newspaper and this, that, the next thing, who are offering information as if it's legitimate. And here's one that caught me. It was that video of Snake Island, and it was audio only. Ah. And the caption was, sailors, Ukrainian sailors on Snake Island tell warship, go f*** yourself, before dying. Right. And they, they play the audio and they subtitle it. And sure enough, that is what is said. The Ukrainians say, "Well, this is it, lads," and then they repeat the ex- and then they they use the expletive to the to the warship. Right. And the, the the story and the caption was, "That's the final words of these Ukrainian sailors sailors slash soldiers before they were bombed out of existence." Right. Yeah. In reality, right, they're still alive. They were captured. Right. But that 
only came out yeah. four or five days later, by which point yeah, I, I, that story is, is getting far less coverage than it did to start with because of, as you say, the deification of a lot of these acts and a lot of these people right now. Yeah, I mean, that story is interesting because you're looking at Great the control story. of information and why, like, several reasons why the control of information is so important. So a lot of it was based on fact. These things were said. The situation overall was mostly true, um, but the fate of the soldiers was unknown. Yep. However, because of the way that these stories get released, we us everyone just kind of runs with the the most romantic version of it, which is that they all died because that is what the story people would would like the most because we're all selfish and we like the drama. Whereas they were just their fate was unknown and they were being held by the Russians and therefore the Russians had the ability to release the information and they had to try and time it to to m- dismantle the story at the best possible time to demoralize everyone but uh, I, like it's not really going to demoralize anyone hey the, the, the people that they were really brave are actually still alive like oh great it's just a, a new good story to 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 latch on to and granted it's not getting so many headlines because it's not exactly what everyone thought but it, it does paint this picture of like um how to tune into information when there's two sides who are very interested in painting the best version of the picture for themselves and not to be trusting anything unless it's like hyper verified you're talking about like many levels of verification way beyond just like reading a twitter thread and assuming it's all correct i'm sure that at some point so far we've both said something that isn't actually 100 percent verified because we're just people we can't verify everything we're doing so it's uh, it is important to try and to keep trying to improve your verification process and yep. uh, seeing seeing the, the 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 developing story around the russian warship um it, it was interesting and it was one of the ones that i i i'd i'd come to the conclusion hey we don't know what happened to the guys and then i was finding out that everyone thought they were dead for ages and then i find out hey they actually don't know what happened to the guys and then we, we find find out that they're uh, they're they're alive but held prisoner um, so it, it's hard to examine the stories because we want to have the most optimistic or the most hopeful or the sometimes just most dramatic version of events, whereas really it's always muddier and it's always more confusing. Um, there's often not quite as many heroes as we want in these situations, and there's often far more villains on both sides than we want in these situations. However... Again, it all comes down to there's a very obvious bad guy in this one and there's a very obvious victim in this one. So I'll try harder to buy into the, the heroism on one side than the other for sure. I think what it requires, and we're going to talk about this, the sporting and the other company aspect of this in just a second. I think what it requires is for people to be far more careful with what they read and what they believe without it being sourced fact-checked and yeah. things like like old pictures it's so easy to find out if these yeah, pictures have been published reverse image before search. already yeah reverse <laughs> image search it's really yeah. simple and people just need to be able to do that and consider hold on a second yeah, yeah. where is this actually from and that would stop a huge amount of that misinformation when it comes to stats when it comes to as we've talked about their deaths injuries those sorts of things are trickier to source because of the amount of data required to to make sure that these things are legit but when it comes to photos and videos that's an easy thing that all of us can do better at yeah and and i think hey it's okay to to believe something incorrect because that's not actually harmful it's the sharing it's when you it's when you become a vector 
of this story and you press the share button instead of press the little like I'll remember this in my brain button for a while it's all right to be misled and to not know and not share it <laughs> so people in these situations it's even if you don't want to be busying yourself with reverse image searching or for looking for copies of videos or for checking the most boring news possible to see if the most boring news possible is also saying the same thing just don't press the share button don't retweet things unless unless you've done the verification process stuff like that it's really important um and it also comes down to the platforms we're seeing different responses from different platforms to disinformation and i think some of them are finally using this overtly evil situation to to take some steps that they've wanted to take for a long time you got twitter actively banning russian accounts and russian troll farms yeah, yeah. where in the past they kind of just tried to hide them a bit when it came to election interference and stuff that is a little bit muddier like that um but other platforms like tiktok maybe like facebook even not really doing so much suppression so actively uh, and i'd like to see more because it's it's pretty easy to track at that level the science is nailed in as to how to track these things to at least some effective degree and these, these some of the businesses need to be doing a better job okay i want to talk about uh, some of the other impacts of this conflict starting with fifa and uefa this is the news right, so that like the the less important impacts, but socially socially important. Right, absolutely. So here's the news that the Russian football clubs and the national team have been suspended from all competitions right. by FIFA and UEFA after the invasion of Ukraine. But once again, this took a week for FIFA to say, "Well, hold on, let's let's just wait to see how it all goes uh-huh. before we before we uh, we make a decision." And then finally, they said, "Well, well, maybe." Maybe we should we should we should do that. So Russia out of World Cup qualifying, uh, Spartak Moscow, other clubs who were still involved in European competition also out. We've also seen uh, Schalke, the German football club, oh, who have ended yeah. their sponsorship with Gazprom. Finally, and in the last twenty minutes, right? Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, says he is going to sell the club. Now this was oh. after oh maybe the day after. The invasion and questions started to be asked about Mr. Obramovich, who who has a well-documented friendship with, right, with yeah. Putin. Yeah. And uh, he initially said he was going to uh, step back and let a charitable foundation take over the running of the club, but he would still own it. But now, as of seven minutes ago, okay. he has announced he's going to sell the club. An right. incredibly difficult decision to make, which pains him. And he says that um, essentially any any dividends or any profits will go to uh, supporting victims of the, yeah. of the conflict. No, so yeah, yeah. Th- that's one thing. But we'll, we'll come back to that, that thing, uh, that bigger picture as well. Here's something else. The cost of oil has gone through the roof Indeed. as of this week. It's now at a, it's coming up to its highest level um, in almost a decade because people are buying non-Russian oil. Yeah. And because there's less of it, it's now more expensive. Naturally, And that's yeah. then pushing up the prices at, at, um, at the pumps and traders are also struggling to sell Russian oil, even, uh, even discounted, because of the difficulties in shipping, in payments... All these other things that we've talked about already. So, James, those are some of the lesser societal impacts. We've also seen today the International Paralympic Committee, who have said that Russian and Belarusian athletes can compete in the Paralympic Games, but they are neutral. Oh, yeah, they got to be independent. Not even 
not even the Russian committee thing they've been doing for the yeah, last little while. Completely they are neutral, yeah. totally like blank flag, blank nation. Right. Um, so they are still competing. What do we think of all this in terms of people ending sponsorships, people well, selling yeah. clubs because of their links to Russia and even here allowing Russians to compete if they just pretend they're not yeah. Russian? What do we think? I, I, I think there has been... I'll try and tackle one thing first, which is like the response of Russian businessmen and Russian billionaires and millionaires okay. and all the rich people. They're trying to get themselves some good headlines. Um, so I, I, I'm, I try again. It's one of those things, right? Try not to just assume that they're actually doing good things for good reasons, but more so just trying to protect their own futures as businessmen in the world, because. At some point, they have to try and detach themselves from being the bad guys. But they were happy associating with being the bad guys up till now. Yes, At least they were. Not, some of them, like there are there are some Russian businessmen who had been very anti-Putin, very vocally anti-Putin for, for years and years. Um, some of them getting assets frozen and uh, all of their Russian assets stripped from them. Some of them getting even kidnapped and stuff like that. So... Like, if they're still getting the headlines, good on them. But all the ones who have been friendly with Putin and friendly with the with the the whole system up till this point, I'm not wanting to give them sympathy because they're having to ditch their assets and try and save face a wee bit. They should have been doing that a long time ago to try and influence things. They should have been trying to influence things a long time ago. Uh, but then looking at the global responses, it is different. When you like, we can. We can look at this uh, on business levels, on nation levels, when we've got the likes of uh, Germany trying to have very close economic ties with Russia for decades. That's important. It is really important to have economic ties between countries so you've got this mutual in, uh, uh, dependence on each other because it should lead to stability. And people believed it would lead to stability. I think for the most part, aside from the, the, the ministers and stuff who are taking very profitable jobs in Russia and who are very questionable, uh, the idea of getting economic ties at a business level and at a national level, the belief was that it would lead to stability and it would lead to Russia not wanting to do any wars that would uh, make these uh, ties untenable. But it didn't work. Um, so now that we're seeing like the gas lines getting cancelled and we're seeing businesses pulling out, it's it's a response to the failed strategy. The strategy did fail. It was a worthwhile strategy. It's good to try and make some interdependence so that you have more stability and less war. But hey, it didn't work. Pull out, get the sanctions on, cancel the profit, um, and hopefully the internal strife in the in the wealthy circles will be enough to convince them we've got to stop this and try and like put a plug on it before we we spiral ever lower okay because they are spiraling and i I don't think the oligarchy in russia is going to be very happy um as they do see the sanctions increasing every day and they do see more and more businesses removing uh trade every single day and all of these things do add up and even the sporting stuff adds up because it's very important to be involved in the social communities of the world so people have a good opinion of you so that when they see your goods they go i am all right with buying that so it all it all of those moves make sense and 
like it's good to see these things happening as a response because it does add a lot of pressure on this the the folks within Russia to solve the problem okay. that they have caused like they've caused the problem but they've got to solve it now right we're coming up to the hour mark here so I want to 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 wrap up this oh part of the discussion as much as there is so much more to talk about just to that there's, lo- there's loads right, yeah just to the point of the sanctions and the fact that you know this is hitting the richest people in the country and those uh, citizens of the country who have perhaps left but still have links there i was reading that in the last Eight years, thirty Ukrainians have been uh, granted visas to the to the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same space of time, over one thousand two hundred Russian oligarchs yes. have been given granted visas to the UK. And of course, the money plays a big part in that. Right. These sanctions that we've been we've been seeing, even the fact that as I've been reading there, EA Sports are removing Russian teams from from the game FIFA. Yeah. And other, you know, even cryptocurrency platforms are being asked, Duh. can we shun Russian users from these things? Even like th- th- <laughs> little things like that. Does this, James, end with, as I've been reading in very optimistic articles, right. with the end of Vladimir Putin as Russian president? I know this is outrageous I mean, some, to be talking about this yeah. already, but that seems to me to be part of the reason why these sanctions have been enacted. And by all accounts, they have been pretty severe sanctions by... And it's not just, like, one country. Everyone is united here, which is interesting, because even the fact that, as I read this uh, this week, Germany and uh, the new Chancellor Olaf Scholz announced a 2% rise in defence spending for the next year. Oh, yeah. And when he announced that, there were actual gasps in the German parliament because this is just not what germany do nato have been trying for years to get germany to up its defense spending and in the space of a week the chancellor said you know what yes let's do it (laughs) so the response to me both of unity from basically everyone other than russia even china haven't really i've not seen anything from china in the last few days but I can't imagine they're thrilled. Does this then end? Well, no, they're calling for peace, yeah. Right. Does this then end with the likes of, as you say, oligarchs, businesses, people eventually getting Putin removed? Because the only thing I've seen so far is protests that have been happening across Russia and everybody gets arrested. Yeah. And that has been the norm for quite some time. So where does this end? Um. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Um, like it is, it's a hopeful, optimistic side to look at this all ousting Putin and getting rid yeah. of him because um, he has a very uh, firm grasp on the controls in Russia and he has got a whole structure that is set up um, to have him in power and have him stay in power. Um, so it's optimistic to think that there's going to be enough of a revolt from the others who are in power that he's actually gone. But it's like it's pretty possible because he has completely delegitimized himself as a smart person. I'm assuming that everyone who is in the know in Russia has realized this, that he had a strong position to have a very good uh, seat at a table to discuss uh, how to secure the future of Russia economically because they had been pushing all their money into the military and they hadn't been pushing any of their money into the economy and it was inevitable that, this, that their whole system was going to collapse. They had a position where they could try to force everyone to help them a little bit. And now, what, they're going to have to like take a bunch of loans from China to recover the war costs and that's going to make them 
just dependent on another country even further, that's about the best thing they can hope for, is that they get bailed out by massive loans. So I'm thinking that anyone smart enough to put two and two together realizes, hey, Putin actually didn't have any control. He 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 didn't understand the position he was in. He has lost his mind. We've got to get rid of him. So it's it's feasible to me that at the end of this, Putin's out. Maybe he'll announce his own retiring retirement so that he goes out with honor or whatever. Maybe he goes into some weird head of state position. Um, who knows? It's it is feasible, but I I, I try not. I'm not trying to be I'm trying not to be too optimistic because like he is very powerful in the nation, and uh, not popular but powerful. Um, and the people who are most loudly protesting are just like the businessmen who are already disagreeing with them. All of the powerless people who only earn an average wage. There's not really been enough of a pushback from from people who 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 have the legitimate ability to overturn the the situation. But like again, in two days' time, it could all have changed. These things happen so fast. Okay, let's end that there because that's a lot. The, it's, it is a lot. There's still so much more to get into. But There's too much. Yeah, I suspect James. As the weeks go on, because this is going to be months, I'm certain. Years for sure. Years. Yeah. Like even if even if there's peace next week, this this kind of situation does not resolve for a long time. Yeah, I mean, the, even the fact that Russian separatists in the east of the country have been fighting on and off since 2014, anyway. Yeah. So as that time passes, the narrative becomes clearer, and eventually, a lot of these things, you know, short-term sanctions and things, people making decisions those stop because they've already been made so yeah there's there's a lot to discuss there but any any final thoughts you would have before we move on and pick ourselves up to talk about entertainment here's my final thoughts because i think there's something very important that not enough of us are talking about and it is the hypocrisy of the western response to this crisis compared to all the other ones we touched on it at the beginning yeah yeah Uh, this should be uh, the shame of all of us to realize that there's conflicts that are causing just as much death and just as much displacement all the time. And instead of like being against those conflicts, very often our nations profit from them. The UK profits from the conflict in Yemen constantly. Yeah, yeah. So this should be the ultimate hypocrisy, making people hang their heads in shame, especially people who are in control of these decisions. And I think that as it progresses and we keep paying attention to it, there should be this massive push to try and look to the other conflicts in their world and see what are we doing about those as well. All right, James, it's difficult to segue from that to what we've been watching, but let's do that. Have you watched anything? Finished a TV show? Anything like I, that? I, yeah, no. I I got a list that I need to catch up on, like reviewing, but my reviews are always so long. So what I can tell you is that I've uh, I, I watched one of the things you've watched, so I can just chip in nice. to, to one of your reviews. I've I've also watched the film you the the second film you've listed. Very. Oh, have you now? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we both watched <laughs> the same film. Great. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, let me just start, because I do have a book review as well. Let me start with uh, Anthony, who has got in touch. He emailed us, ceaseoperate at gmail.com. Anthony, I'm saving your actual review for next week, because this is just not the show for it. I'm 
you know, I'm sure you understand. I could note, I could note, yeah. But yeah. I am going to read out what you said, which was, um, as I've mentioned before, I'm working my way through past episodes. I'm in the middle of 199 right now. In wow. addition to Dedication. your insightful analysis and discussion on the then current oh. events insightful analysis lovely thank I you doubt, doubt but thank you <laughs> i do like how they are records of what was going on in the world two years ago yes at this point but it looks like wow. i won't get to episode one or 100 at this rate oh well <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have so far privatized up to episode 60 oh. so i'm sorry Working those have been it. lost to the to the mists of time and uh, yes, the rest will be slowly going. I'm going to get to another comment as to why that is in just a second. But he finished up by saying, have a good week. Hopefully you make a quick recovery. I'm glad to hear that you didn't pick up COVID in Ohio. I've, I would imagine a lot of people have, but I was one of those people who avoided it. <laughs> so that's great. Well done. Also, uh, Ross Cray got in touch as well. He is uh, reminding me of a tweet that he posted seven years ago, which said, right? at, at Colin underscore Stone underscore, I've just lost it at your rendition of Christina Aguilera's Dirty on Seesaw Parade. Right. That was from seven years ago, and he tweeted me yesterday to say, no wonder you're making the older episodes private. (laughs) And I replied to say... Embarrassing for more than one reason. Indeed. That's just another... To add to the litany of podcast missteps. So, yes. Yeah. those, Those episodes, they're gone. They're going. But thank you very much for emailing. And Anthony, I promise we will get to your reviews next week when we have less than an hour's discussion on Ukraine and Russia. Now, James, I want to talk about, first of all, Natives. Now, this is a book by Akala, who is the award-winning author, poet, rapper, and political voice in Britain. And the name of his book, if you're looking it up, Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. So this book is about his experience of growing up poor, mixed race in Britain in the uh, 80s and 90s, as well as exploring, and here was the bit that really got me, why Brits believe that the British Empire was a force for good for the world, despite the growing evidence to the contrary. We civilised them, Colin. We civilised the savages. Indeed we did. So this is, uh, (laughs) that's a joke, by the way. This is an uncomfortable read. we did the opposite. (laughs) Absolutely, because there are so many grim stats about the effects of race in this country and the British Empire. The whole book is is a mix of... Yeah, autobiography and you know sharing his experiences and just a full-on right. polemic, like uh, just a, a vicious attack on everything that we are uh, brought up to believe, which actually is a is a lie or false. So he's a very deep thinker. He's clearly very intelligent, but he breaks things down in a really simple way. So you know, I really I was invested in the book and I was enjoying, if that's the right word, what I was reading. He highlights importantly that his escape from poverty is the exception rather than the rule and rather than the, if you can, if you can dream it, you can do it. Right. Uh, or, or this proof that all black people can achieve if only they apply themselves. And he, he points out in yeah. numerous different ways how this is a total lie. No, you just got to work hard. Yeah. He also explores how, and this is uh, where the title comes in, how class in this country and race Mm -hmm. intersect and how often one is pitted against the other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, being on the same side. Yeah. And also every single stat or piece of analysis or research in this book 
is footnoted and cited rather than oh, just beautiful. Hey, this is my anecdotal evidence. Like he's yeah. actually got every single thing bagged up, which is amazing. But the most powerful parts are its autobiographical stories. Okay. You know, when he's sharing his own personal experience of being stopped by the police in London because he's driving a car which is too nice. Yeah. Or he stopped from going into his own home because the officers don't believe he lives in such a good area. Right. Because he's he's black. Right. Then there's the always shocking stats about how much more likely you are to be stopped and searched, end up excluded from school or end up in prison if you're black in Britain compared to to a white person. It is something like seven times more likely in some cases. And here's the other one. If you're black, your ability in school is likely to be vastly underestimated by teachers. And again, this is researched. He's got all the evidence for it. And this then leads to these kids being put into less challenging classes, lower levels of work than they're actually capable of. And that's where often some of these things won't then spiral out of control. So well, yeah, yeah overall, it self-fulfilling as well, yeah. Exactly. I would highly recommend that everybody reads this. It's given me uh, a far greater insight into the deeply barbaric and unpleasant history of the British Empire. Also... Uh, t- set me right about a couple of things I believed about the end of the slave trade and the the British dude who apparently claimed all the glory. Absolute yeah. nonsense. Yeah. And um, the fact that, you know, yeah, the British Empire decided that people in the Caribbean and Africa were subhuman yep. and needed to be tamed yep. and educated. And if they didn't comply with slavery, being taken away from their homeland or being ruled over, then we just straight up murdered them. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that's and that's it. it. That's the British Empire. It's terrible. We'll steal all your stuff. It, it is so hard to to te- like someone who's very patriotic about the empire. They don't actually believe any truths. They've just been told stuff. Yeah, yeah. And because their worldview is based on stuff they've been told that is to them real, it's very hard to dismantle that, even with actual truths because for them there's stuff that they believe is true so hearing other truth is just like well the stuff i know is more true than the stuff you know and therefore it's fine so it's, it's really hard not to judge people it's hard not to like be really judgmental and and, and uh, uh talk down to them and tell them they're believing just dis- like things that are not real and all that stuff it's such a difficult conversation to have because it is i think very important that we in the uk start to have a more realistic picture of the effects of the British Empire, the purpose of the British Empire, and how we still are benefiting from all of the atrocious things that, that we did and how other countries are still suffering from it. Um, and it, But it's really hard to have people do that in a way that doesn't make them just so upset that they won't listen to you. Uh, so, so what? <laughs> it sounds like maybe we should just give everyone a copy of the book and hope for the best. Um, but I think that if this book started getting promoted, we would see the conservatives ban it from schools in no time. Uh, indeed. Uh, it's it's also this this idea, and particularly we saw this a, a few years ago with uh, the statues being taken down across, uh, across the UK and across the world. Uh, so one of which indeed was Churchill. Mm-hmm. And people who are big fans of Churchill as uh, his role in, in leading Britain in World War II yeah, it is apparently untouchable, despite the fact that he has said a whole host of yeah. horrendous things about the Indian people, about Africans, about Jews, 
about the fact that he saw white Protestants at the top of this hierarchical chain yeah. and everyone else was below them. And that actually these uh, people in, you know, Aboriginal Australia and in uh, West Africa were incapable of, ru- of ruling themselves and therefore needed, yeah. needed our help. How kind of? Well, never mind the countless deaths that he caused as well, right? He probably killed more people actively than he saved in the war. Indeed, the three million uh, people in, I want to say, in in Bengal and India who starved to death. Three million of them because of Churchill's actions and inaction. Anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway, yeah. Just to finish up, the the book Natives, yeah, it gives you that insight into both the British Empire, but also present-day challenges in the UK, the continued inequality really important. faced by people of colour in this country, and that nagging conclusion that this is the way it is, the system is rigged, it will continue to be these exceptional people like Akala, like Marcus Rashford, who are held up as progress, when in actual fact, yeah. we all need to do way more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's Natives by Akala. Do go read it. It is 300 pages, but you can do it slowly. That's what I did. Well worth it. All right. Okay, James, let's talk about The King's Man. Yay. <laughs> this, dear listener, is the third movie Yes. in The Kingsman universe. It's written and directed by Matthew Vaughn. He did the first two. This was out in cinemas... Up until about three weeks ago, and now it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, which gives you an indication of how well it did at the box office. You know, I thought and, it, uh, I thought it had been out for years. Actually, up until, <laughs> up until this moment, I thought it had been out for a long time. <laughs> it literally stopped showing just after after New Year. <laughs> All so, right, that's painted a picture for me, James. I'm going to come to you in just a second, but let me paint the picture for the, the listener as to what this movie is. It's a prequel set around the events of World War One, yep. and the foundation of the Kingsman Agency. So if you're new to all this, a few years ago, this uh, first film came out called The Kingsman, which was starring Taron Edgerton as a young chav who essentially becomes James Bond with gummy bears overnight. Right. And suddenly he's, uh, he's like a super spy, and he kills people, and he's funny, and he's lewd, and he's crass right, yeah, but he's right, handsome and he's yeah. sexy so that was right, uh, and it was just like it was just like edgy somewhat parody but yeah very actiony film about british spy yeah and, and, uh, stuff uh, indeed and then there was a sequel so in this one that this prequel which is set about 100 years before it you've got uh, ray fines in the lead role you've got jim and honsu jim arterton tom hollander charles dance daniel brule a lot of big name actors yeah some of whom are playing real people like mm-hmm. Rasputin, like yeah. Duke Archduke Franz Ferdinand, like yeah. King George, Gavrilo Princip. And that, to me, James, is the problem with this movie, which I'll get into in just a second, because... <laughs> Understandable. As I've talked about, previous installments with Taron Edgerton were very much style over substance, and they were somewhat funny and somewhat well done. Yeah. But they were criticised for, and I was among those who criticized this, humor and lewd humor, which went too far. So, for example, the post-credit scene in the first movie, the princess, who Eggsy has just saved from a certain death, offers him a certain kind of um, (laughs) pleasure. A sexual act. Yes. Just say it. Do the do the TV news version. He he. She would like to be uh, taken up the back alley. That is not the TV news version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and it's and then you just get graphic shots of this woman's ass. Oh yeah. And it was yeah. very it was very much like, oh okay, this was absolutely this did not work whatsoever. So in this third one, thank goodness that humor is gone. And you still have like pretty solid set pieces, action sequences. Matthew Vaughn's always known how to direct those. Ray Fiennes is is always great. Supporting well, yeah, well, cast is fine. I don't think he directs them. Is the is the difference? <laughs> Fair enough. He's got he's got he, the the people who he, he actually em, employs specifically action directors for those. Nice. And they're they're action directors who have a stunt history. So, but James, that explains why they're good at coordinating these things. My main issue with this film is using historical events as if they are just play things it was, yeah. in a story. Quite callous, yeah. So, for example, yeah. they're now involved in major historical events, like the start of World War One, and the yeah. death of Rasputin, and Henry Kissinger's demise on a, a HMS naval ship, and so on. And it, it, it just made me feel a little bit uneasy. And I think if they, if they, you know, at the end, in the post-credits scene, Adolf Hitler shows up. Right. And it's not like it's done for laughs. It's full on, like, legitimately serious. Here's Hitler. Yeah. yeah. I think if they had done, if they put a twist on it, you know, here's here's a good example. In Glorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie is set in Nazi Germany, but the film ends with uh, Hitler and all his uh, inner circle dying in a fire yeah very alt history is a they they they, right they make the alt history very concrete whereas this film is technically alt history but it's no but it's played far too straight they 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 mostly just kept everything as it is and we're like yeah but here's the real reason it happened (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't interesting to Uh, me like right hey look remember that remember all these bad things that we we've learned about for forever here's how it actually happened isn't it a bit whimsical and it's like no absolutely not (laughs) i don't not really (laughs) i'm glad you i'm glad you agree with that yeah so i get what you're saying there and i I didn't i didn't like that aspect yeah okay what what did you think because my final thought was that it was also far too long it was like two hours 15 i mean come on yeah way too long they tried to make a very grand film out of very like boring material really it was yes. just like dull nothing it was too original nothing was too innovative some of the action was nice but that's about it like maybe some of the action was nice that's the nicest thing you can say about the film it was mostly just very bland um even like the really good actors just kind of I don't think they tried to phone it in, but I think the material they were working with was just so boring that they couldn't do a good job because they were acting boring people. They're acting posh British people. You don't get exciting posh British in that time period. It's just all boring. I think if they went for true alternative history, it could have been a decent film. But they missed the mark when they didn't actually make anything very different. And it just became... right this muddy mix of them trying to be a bit whimsical and funny while also trying to be respectful and present things as harrowing. And it doesn't land. You can't do both. I mean, you can because, like, Blackadder exists, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can do both. They just completely failed to do both. I, I, I totally agree. Well, dear listener, if you have got anything that you have watched a TV show that you've finished, a movie that you've seen, as uh, Anthony has uh, sent in, you can do the same, seesawparade at gmail.com. And in a week where, you know, there hasn't been uh, a major nation invading another and attempting to take it over, we will play it on the show. Right. So you can hear other voices rather than just us. But James, there is one other piece of movie news I want to talk about, and it is the news that... 
X-Men yeah. are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the news that Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick up, Stewart, is, about time. is in the new Doctor Strange movie. So yeah. we, we played the first trailer when it came out. There's mm-hmm. now been a second trailer. Indeed. And as I as I rewatched it, I didn't catch it the first time. Oh, as didn't. I rewatched it, it became clear that there is a line in there which is I think we need to tell him the truth or we must tell him the truth. Yeah, something like that. And the camera that, yeah. shows like a slightly blurry out of focus ear <laughs> and 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 side of head. Yeah, 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 yeah. And fans had speculated and as I as soon as I heard it I thought that's definitely Patrick Stewart. So he is and has now confirmed he is taking and reprising the role of Charles Xavier in yes. Doctor Strange, the, the multitude of madness or multiverse of mad... The, <laughs> multiverse, I yes, can't yes, remember what it's called, yes. but that second movie which is coming out in May. So, James, right. this is big. This is exciting. I like this. Well, it confirms everyone's theory that the multiverse storyline was going to be how... Marvel brought in some of the more established IPs yes, yes. into their current universe. And it's and it is cool. And I think their overall goal with it will will be to just write out the original actors versions of these characters in a in a good way. We never really had a good ending for the likes of Magneto. Yep. We kind of had a good ending for for Xavier, but I'm sure they can do it again and have yep. something a little bit more fulfilling and that's that's their goal and they and then they'll use that as the 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 launching point to bring the x-men officially under the marvel wing and it won't be so bad anymore (laughs) but it is interesting i do hope they do something cool with it because those characters deserve good films and they deserve to be in good films even if it's all brain off films i enjoy the good versions of those um, and I'm excited to see the original actors who made these films possible have just one last showing and do their thing. And I think comic book fans and people who know the storylines have kind of like supposed and figured out what Xavier's doing here and like <laughs> what kind of a group he's, he's, he's representing and all of those things. But for people who are uh, more casual fans, it's going to be a a cool revisiting of the character and a cool entry uh, into this uh, crossover of uh, what has until now been separate film IPs. Right, James, uh, other news has been happening and it is about COVID. And this is the news that England are now without any uh, COVID restrictions and that free mass testing is to stop within the next four weeks. So this was Boris Johnson telling MPs um, on the 22nd of February that the legal duty to isolate for anyone who tested positive is now dropped. It's over. And this was part of his living with COVID plan. Right. The reaction to this from, from conservatives was, okay, great. Thanks very much. That's what we need. (laughs) Whereas, you know, people who actually know the science and the data said, hold on a second, including the British Medical Association, the plan failed to protect those most at risk of COVID. The Scottish government also said that public health advice it had received did not recommend lifting restrictions. But then, in just a few days after that, 
the legal COVID-19 restrictions in Scotland, including the wearing of face coverings, were announced to be ending in three weeks here in Scotland. So on March 21st, people will still be advised to wear masks, but it's no longer a legal requirement. So James, thoughts on all of this, starting with England and then moving on north of the border? Yeah, I... I I don't think we're the first countries to be looking at making these changes. I, 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 but I do think that everyone who is looking at making these changes is is being a little bit overly keen because okay, there are gonna there are still a lot of people out there who are vulnerable to COVID who are not able to get a vaccine. Hi, Zelda. And for their sakes, we should consider being a bit slower. While right, hang on, I'm gonna put my cat out the door. <laughs> She's, uh, she's getting too much. I, I was going to say, I, I could hear her contributing to the chat. So just at this point, to add in the fact that uh, Scotland have also announced that as of oh, yesterday, the vaccine passport scheme has ended. So this was uh, having to show a QR code on your phone to prove that you've either been vaccinated or you've had COVID recently. I only ever used it once, and that was, ironically, on the day I got COVID. So that scheme is over. And also uh, what's happening in Scotland is the rules for businesses in terms of uh, social distancing. That's also finished. But people will still be asked to self-isolate if they test positive for COVID. Um, but it's not a legal requirement. But here's my here's my tuppence just before we, I, I pass that back to you, James. When I got COVID, yep. the last thing I wanted to do was go out anywhere. Yep. Because... Felt rotten. And also, and it is one thing I think most of us agree with, uh, agree with now, we have a much better understanding of how these viruses are transmitted. Yeah. Because in the past, and we've all been there, either you've had the cold or someone else in your team or who you're working with or in your office or whatever has a cold. And you think, or even if you go home for Christmas and a family member has a cold, you think, oh, well, that's me. I've got the cold. I'm getting the cold. And we just were a bit blasé about it. And I'm sure at, at a certain point, it looks like we're getting there, people will just say, <laughs> yeah. okay, I've got COVID, I can still come in. But I would say we are being more careful about it now. So that, for example, if I get COVID again, I'm still going to say to my boss, oh, by the way, I've got COVID, I'm not coming in. Whereas yeah. before you would have said, oh, I've got a cold, I'll see you at nine. Well, I'm, I'm, I am hoping that the experience we've all collectively had will make people more eager to stay at home for more things, like a cold, for example. And yes. I expect it will make businesses more eager to to do it. They've learned now, hey, actually it might be healthier for the business to not have people all get sick at the same time. And therefore, maybe we should encourage people to stay home more often. I hope those lessons have been learned. I think like, like it's not impossible that this is the right time to be lifting things because we are at a steady level of, of, of the infection. Things are steadied out. Um, hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Um, it is possible that, that we are going to get through it just with the collective lessons learned on how to live sensibly. Because um, I, I think most people, when they get the actual flu, like when most people, like there's a difference between the cold and influenza. Most people, if they get influenza to some degree, you stop going out because your joints ache. You don't want to stand around. You don't want to go to work. Uh, so I think while COVID is that, and asymptomatic cases are, are relatively rare, there is a little bit of a more of a likelihood that people will take it more seriously, even if there are no rules. But 
for me, I'm still just going to be mostly staying very safe, planning things outdoors, um, masking up, especially on public transport and all of those things. And I hope that there has be, that there will be at least some percentage of the population that acts in a similar way. Because the more we try to to live that way, just the better all the all the diseases are, <laughs> the less of the less colds there are, and the less of anything there is. So, like, there's 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 a potential that this is a jumping point to us treating public health differently, just as a second nature. And I hope it is. I hope we don't return back to the old ways of like only. Only stay off work if you're like quite literally unable to leave your bed, and if you're on the verge of death. If it's just the sniffles, it's okay to come in and cough on everyone. Like none of that's okay. That all sucks, and it was a horrible thing that we all got convinced was acceptable. And yep, yep. I hope we, I hope we don't go back to that. Um, I do think that for the most part, the lifting of uh, rules on the conservatives' part is just to try and keep the votes strong because they've been tanking in popularity. They have. It hasn't been enough. They haven't also been able to convert the Ukrainian crisis into popularity uh, because wars usually help Not yet. current leaders. But they are trying everything they can to make COVID and every other crisis work in their favour to try and distract us. It's not quite working. And then I think the Scottish response in following that is for similar political reasons. If England are free, why aren't we? That's going to be a super loud thing. So I think it is on both sides more political than sensible, but we there's a, there's a chance we can do it. Denmark and countries like that have already lifted a whole bunch of stuff and I, I haven't heard any disaster stories coming out of those places. So I'm, I'm not 50-50, but I'm at least not 100% against it for a change. And the final story we have for you uh, this week, dear listener, is the news that British politicians, MPs, are getting a pay rise of £2,212 a year as of April 1st, which means that an MP's basic salary goes up to £84,144. This 2.7% rise will come in the same week that millions of us in this country will see their wages hit by the increase in national insurance, Uh, which is... uh, going up by one and a quarter pence in the pound, which will see some of us, if we, uh, well, those who earn on 20 grand a year, an extra 100 quid going to the taxman. If you're closer to to 40, 50 grand, you're talking a few extra hundred. So, James, the response to this by both Boris and uh, Sir Keir Starmer was, oh, we don't think that MPs should get a pay rise. (laughs) But, oh, alas, there's an independent body. They, the, there's the ones who set our pay. We, we can't do there's anything. There's nothing we can do. Oh, what a shame. We're just powerless leaders of the nation. I'm just the prime minister of the country. If, if only there was something I could do. <laughs> I mean, come on. And then they can, no, of course, there's, of course, they're selfish, looking out for their own interests. Like, yep, the, the, every MP getting a pay rise isn't going to affect uh, inflation in the same way as every person in the nation getting a pay rise will. But if we're not allowed to get better pay, they shouldn't be allowed to get better pay either. They should be representatives of us and our struggles. They shouldn't get to float while the rest of us sink under inflation and higher taxes. But they're the privileged ones who get the money. And that's just the way it's going to be. Yep. Um, it, it, it hurts. It hurts because I know that I might not earn a lot of money, but I'm comfortable and I still earn about an average amount. Yeah. Comparatively. I earn enough that it's considered more than a living wage. 
thinking about people who earn less than me breaks my heart because I know that they all they also have like a car. Yeah, or exactly. They also have a family and a, a whole lot more things that that is makes them so much more vulnerable. And they're living on less money, and they're gonna get they're gonna struggle even more. And 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 I don't I don't see how someone who earns near six figures. Yep can look at the rest of us and go like, actually, yeah, I'm the one that is okay getting this pay raise. So, of course, they don't say that to the headlines, but they could they could try harder to push back and say, like, if everyone's struggling, so should we. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the show. This has been a, a bumper episode, as has been Oof, yeah. justified by what's been happening uh, in the world. But, dear listener, if you want to get in touch, give us your thoughts. Send us a review. You can do. Seesawparade at gmail.com or at seesawparade on Twitter. James, thank you again for your thoughts, for your insightful analysis and knowledge. (laughs) And I trust, uh, listener, you've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you very much for listening. If we have told any lies, let us know. (laughs) Please do. Thank you very much for listening and we will... I will see you, James. Next year. Next year. Next year. Next week. Wow. What an end to the show. My brain just stopped working. Sorry. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Hi. Bye-bye.